Sarah. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I'm sort of really excited to have you uh, here um, because I would sort of ramble into why, but I have a quote here from uh, Beltran mm -hmm. that uh, sort of sums up really what I would love to talk about. So it says, blockchain developers are pushing forward the grand vision of a decentralized future. But the experience of that vision through the distributed applications or dApps we are creating still resembles uh, that of a clunky prototype uh, from Web2. Um, so that really sums up like what I would love to talk about and the fact that um, there still remains lots of, uh, you know, a lot to be done on the uh, kind of the UX and um, more human-centered uh, aspects of, of blockchain. Yeah, I agree. Um, so with that, my first like question for you is like, just tell me about your journey. You know, thinking about and practicing the design of you know, DApps or things uh, related to the blockchain. Sure. Um, so I think I mean I've written about this before. Like I kind of came into this backwards, um, where I think a lot of people, um, if they were not involved, like if they weren't crypto OG, you know started hearing about cryptocurrencies from their friends um, and that was kind of their pathway in. Um, I was completely unaware of it, um, but started working on um, blockchain when I was at IBM. And while I was there, it was um, very, um, I would say business focused, business outcome focused. Um, everything was built on Hyperledger and Back then, there was not a cryptocurrency aspect to it, um, and it was, you know, highly focused on like private implementations and um, what it would take for a lot of very large organizations that might be competitors um, to gain efficiency and save cost by being on the same network. Um, and I really enjoyed the complexity of it, um, and I like you, you know, tangled problems um but then it wasn't really until i started working on an, an identity product um, and there are a lot of people that have been in identity for a long time like way before blockchain um and it's fascinating it's it's you know the people have very different needs based on you know socioeconomics and location and um i was really personally um I was very motivated because uh, my brother-in-law is trans and watching him um, have to deal with his identity um, with the government and insurance and all of these different aspects. And I hadn't really ever considered how many, how much your identity affects everything that you do. Um, and so then, you know, now I'm at consensus and it, my role has changed somewhat. Um, it's more about bringing design to an organization and supporting the product designers and hiring product designers and, um, you know, making sure they've got what they need and supporting them and the work that they do. Um, and so I don't get to do a lot of design. I'm kind of getting back uh, into like doing the actual work um, now that we're working on a design system. Um, but mm. yeah, so it's kind of been this like a weird meandering trip here. Um, yeah. It's interesting you brought up two things that uh, sort of have come up before that I think are really interesting. The fact that the kind of the notion of identity as well as um, design system. So so I have sort of two questions uh, here. The first is um, designing for identity is a really sort of tricky problem, I think. And I'm just curious to get your thoughts um, there, uh, mm -hmm. as well as in terms of design systems. Um, you know, I think Beltran or maybe Alex before said that uh, um, uh, design is by its very nature sort of open source, right? Because you can look at other uh, designs and you can look at what other people are doing and draw inspiration uh, 
from them. But at the same time, um, you know, blockchain development largely is very open source. So maybe yeah. is there a difference or a way of thinking about design systems uh, in a different way with this sort of um, new paradigm? Sure. Uh, okay, so designing identity. Um, so, you know, the most obvious kind of thing as it relates to blockchain, right, is private keys. Um, but there are a lot of other people that can speak to that. Um, you know, my colleague Johnny uh, at Uport spends a lot of time um, thinking and discussing that and working on it and experimenting. Uh, I would say something that I think about a lot when people ask me about getting into uh, this space is I tell people, please choose a project or a product or an idea that you are dedicated you're so dedicated to it that if you found out that blockchain is not the tool that you should be using, you would still be working on it. Um, and I think identity is like that. Um, I think there's so much more to a successful identity solution than just blockchain. Um, and so much, it is such a tangled, personal, sensitive um, situation that you know, the right answer isn't just simply solving, and I say simply, solving the private key management problem. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's fascinating um, how we, you know, can use that tool to address things like consent and ownership and making people's lives easier, um, not just on the internet, but, you know, in real life at an institution. Um, I'm not sure if that answered the question, but um, as far as design systems, so the whole point is, you know, being at consensus and, you know, looking at what is the point of design in this space, right? Is making better experiences so that people will adopt and use this, right? Everything falls apart if nobody is using blockchain, because nobody's on right. Ethereum in our case. Um, and so how do we make it better, right? So the most obvious answer when I got here was hire people who knew what they were doing, hire a lot of product designers um, and educate people on what design is and put out templates and resources and that kind of thing. But um, I think what we've learned in the past like three or four years about design systems is that that's one of the fastest ways that you can help people that don't have access to designers or share information um, or put forward a viewpoint on how an interaction should go. Um, and so that's kind of why we've started on this work. But the intention is not, while we're getting started, it is for internal stakeholders um, while we get an, you know, an MVP that's, you know, it's viable, right? People can use it and people want to use it. Um, the intention has absolutely to be, you know, for the community and open source. I think, you know, one thing I'm doing right now, I'm sitting here watching a transaction take forever um, on a bounty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Today, the gas prices are like, what? But... Um, <laughs> That's one of the things that I love is uh, one, this community feels so much like the internet did. Now I'm not saying I wasn't here for like the very beginning, um, right. but I do remember what the community was like when responsive design kind of became a thing. And right. people were just excited to work together. They were super open and it's what got me into the space to begin with, like in, you know, on the internet was just the people. Um, right. sharing information, being excited, working on things together, collaborating, you know, being open. And, and I think that's very much how this space is now. And I hope that we keep it. Um, and so, you know, as far as a design system, my intention is to um, make sure that we have input and that as soon as we are able to start um, if not having people directly contribute, making sure that we are aligning with what other people are making and that 
it's open. It doesn't benefit anybody for this to be closed, right? Like by definition, a, a design system that's like that isn't going to work. Um, so, oh, what I was saying about bounties and watching this transaction, that's just a small thing that I think we've witnessed be pretty successful is, um, you know, places like Gitcoin and, and bounties network where you can just, you know, put up a bounty for a thing that you need done right now. I've gotten really good results from doing that. And I think that's a really good, you know, use case and use of um, what we're building. So, yeah. And so you're coming from uh, ID, uh, or IBM, which mm -hmm. uh, I guess, you know, there's um, sort of really not rigid, but like there's a, a tried and true process of going through, through things, I would imagine. Uh, especially in the design world, like there's, you know, uh, usually a design process, like starting with research usually, and then, you know, all these different um, uh, phases. Mm. Um, and I'm curious as to, do you think that changes with the nature of um, blockchains or specifically uh, Ethereum projects on Ethereum or um, just the nature of how the, the space is, is moving? Do you think that we need to, um, not rethink, but uh, evolve the way that we go about doing uh, design and the design process for the product, you know, product design um, process? Mm. Well, if I can separate out IBM design from IBM <clears throat> for a second, mm -hmm. because there mm -hmm. is, you know, the vision for how design is practiced, and then sometimes there's a reality. Um, right. I would say I really loved um, IBM's design thinking methodology, if you want to call it that. I'm not sure you can call it that. Um, because, you know, when you're first learning, you're, you're kind of learning all the different techniques and, and patterns and how to do something. But once you get comfortable everywhere, you realize, and actually um, another colleague of mine that is our design thinking director, um, mm he really dislikes um we, we used to have these booklets with all the different things you could do in design thinking right and it would or these slide decks uh that would say this is how to do design thinking but he really didn't like that format because it makes it look like a linear process instead of here are the mm -hmm. tools that you need to use at the right time and so he actually made um it's like a card deck, so you can wow. shuffle them and then kind of pull out and plan how you want to tackle a problem, but it doesn't seem like it, this is a linear process that results in, you know, you just put in this input and then you get this output. Um, right. So it's a lot more fluid, I think. Now, I mean, IBM, like organizational structure was pretty rigid, um, right. and I think that for you to attempt anything with good results, you at least at consensus, it, I am seeing this work, you have to mirror um, your ideals with how you organize yourselves, you know? So um, being flat, being decentralized, um, being fluid and flexible. Um, and, and so the design thinking um, activities have really, I think, taken off at consensus. Um, so anyway, how we approach design that part's not really any different with one exception um which is how we prototype um oh yeah so would you mind going deeper into that that's very interesting sure yeah no i'm really um it's something that i'm really excited about because um and I don't, honestly, I don't think this is a new idea, but I just am seeing that the, it's working pretty well. Uh, we went on uh, all of the designers, so they're all on their own spokes, right? Uh, and they behave autonomously. And so our design circle is kind of more like a union, I would say. Um, but we do kind of look for opportunities for cross-pollination. And so we went on a retreat um, when did we go? It was like back in April, I think. 
<clears throat> excuse me. And so um, how it started was Johnny, the designer on Uport, had this idea of teaching blockchain by like acting it out, right? Um, and so everybody had like little sticky notes and they were, you know, just acting it out to, to teach some of the new designers and, you know, is this something we could replicate? It was just kind of an experiment. But uh, then it kind of took off and um, we also had some new designers join us that had backgrounds in uh, game design. And so what's kind of come up is a way to prototype because it's larger than just normal like experience design for one persona. There is a much larger system at play. And right. um, how can we, you know, kind of get a view into what we're going to run into. So if you can get a group of people together and have them just, I guess if you were going to design maybe a conversational interface, um, have them talk and say everything that would happen and have them do everything with paper or some, there's like a, there's board game kits that you can buy for this too. Um, and so at Ethereal, um, Civil, which is the journalism platform, part of their um, presentation was everybody in the audience acting out commit reveal voting and they uh saw some some new things that they wouldn't have seen unless a lot of people were all doing a thing together and that's not perfect but you know that's prototyping right um right yeah so and it's a new and it's another way to like really empathize with your users um and they can say right then you know this is confusing to me uh is there is there another way to explain this or can we name it something different or can, you know, whatever. So, um, and so it's happening more and more that whereas we prototype out, you know, sticky notes and drawing things out. Um, but for the larger th systems things that we're experimenting with, like if you can get a group of people to do it, um, you know, especially things like, anything that has to do with voting or staking uh those mm. things there you can a lot of clarity through getting a few people together yeah mm. Mm, that's really really interesting it's making me think a lot about um there's a previous person that i spoke to that that spoke about like thinking about blockchains and designing for kind of decentralized apps and like through the lens of like a, a movie where mm. there's a bunch of different characters right yeah. um and you have to be able to like be able to tell that story and the narrative has to be able to go through each character so it makes me think of that it's really it's really interesting um yeah. are there any other salient sort of design thinking tools that seem to be more relevant uh at um consensus or more relevant in your work with uh sort of um the different i guess it would be spokes is that right mm -hmm. uh, sure yeah um, then, so do any other other design thinking tools come to mind that uh, that have maybe produced more understanding or more empathy sure um so i guess like every time i i talk uh i'm just always pushing very hard because it's a problem that I just keep running into and I keep seeing over and over, um, you know, low fidelity prototyping, um, you know, first having, having the entire group, not just the designer or, and the product manager, um, but everybody, the engineers, the web developers, like whomever is on the team, um, getting together and deciding at a high level, what, what the experience is right now, right? What is this person doing? And like, what is their context? And, and, you know, you can do that before or after some research is done, but some research has to be done. Um, you know, it doesn't hurt to just start somewhere, right? You have to get started. And so you make some assumptions, but you can't skip the, let's find out if this is actually true. Um, so figuring these things out, um 
and, and talking about an experience only using words um, can let you see and make decisions um, before you've gone too far. I see, so something, one thing I see is a team will have not been able to afford or didn't know they should have a designer. Um, and they will have basically already built um, the depth. And then they, they want a designer to come in and make it pretty, which is understandable. That's fine. It happens a lot. Um, but you don't really get the best results at that point. And then if somebody discovers a problem, like, Oh, you know, this is a big issue for the user. This is really confusing. And it's kind of a major thing. People are less likely to want to pivot. They've already committed you know, a ton of code. Nobody likes throwing away code. Um, they've already just, they've married themselves to an idea. Um, and it's very hard to change direction by that point. And so the big thing to me is like, you can find out so much um, mapping out experiences and identifying the problems and talking about what this experience should be um, as a group. And that way, like when you're, you know, even if the designer is doing something else and you're making engineering decisions, you're still, they all map back to an overarching experience. So it's something though that people don't really get until they have to do it. You know, it's like talking about it doesn't really help until somebody does it and they're like, oh, oh, I see, I see. Um, <laughs> and Research is a big one. We've kind of had the intention to make design research as like breathing at Consensus. And it's really taken off. I'm really, I think it says something about the community um, of people that are open-minded and looking for better ways to do things in, in general. Um, and so all some of these teams needed just to see you know, some of the value and what happens with research and what kind of things that you can learn. Um, and it's really, really taken off, but there's a, there's a need for real design research practitioners who know how to structure a survey, who know like that, for example, me doing a UX audit or another desi designer that's been in this space doing a UX audit while helpful and, um, you know, we do them all the time, right, for each other. It's not going to yield, yield the same results as an experienced researcher going in with a novice person and not, lead, you know, asking leading questions and watching them use something and really, like, and they only would need, like, five people tops to get an extremely valuable like picture of the situation and what has to get fixed. Um, so just more of bringing more of those people in here is, is really important. I think. Um, so I do a bunch of design research on myself and it seems like, like just from like a, from a, um, like a philosophical point of view, you know, it's like really trying to, get the truth of the situation is like okay. i think perhaps the thing that is like that underpins design research so anyway that's the sort of like a, a nebulous thing but my question there is um what are, you you know you say that consensus you're like a breathing design research which is like a very very nice way of putting it by the way <laughs> but also it's like so what questions do you both from the side so okay let's 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 say this in a clear way so there are many stakeholders right mm -hmm. um uh, i guess you have the engineers you know you have the business side you have community members you have designers uh as well or the product builders um and then you have uh, i guess the users right mm -hmm. have you seen questions that are consistently coming up um both on like from the different users, like the different uh, cohorts, I guess you could say, um, both questions that you're asking consistently in this space, as well as questions that people continuously have um, in this space. If 
that makes sense. <laughs> sure. Um, I guess as far as common themes, I mean, I uh, am not in that as deeply as the design researchers and the and the product designers are like day to day. Um, mm -hmm. We do have tools that we use to like have common um, places to to keep and store um, what we're learning. Um, mm -hmm. But I, the only things that I could say from what I have seen, like common themes, um, are it, and it's nothing. I don't think we we don't already know, but it is a lack of is literally all the time. What what is happening? Where am I? Why? You know, how come I can't do this? Like right. just general kind of confusion. Um, yeah. It's, it, yeah, I would say there's just a lot of, a lot of dead ends um, where pe users just get dropped out at the, like an end of a process and there's no next place to go where they just have to sit there and wait um, for right. a transaction. And there's just a lot of, um, context that's being left out, I think is pretty common. Um, it's all really simple stuff. Like, you know, when I first started, I thought, oh, we've got to focus on these really big problems, you know, like gas and, um, private key management and, um, how much time stuff takes and should we be communicating all these things or should we be you know keeping things really minimal and you know all these kind of big questions but right now it's all it it's all really low-hanging fruit it's all like just tell them they're on a test net like somewhere <laughs> like they can't you're you grayed out this button and they can't click it but they don't know it's because metamask isn't unlocked like that's just not, right. I mean, it's just really, really simple things that <clears throat> like one user test, one, right. one general like mapping out this experience before we build it would have caught like so much of it. Um, right. Yeah. So, so that's a really nice segue into sort of the next question that I have here, which um, is, actually originated from a post that I read by you, which I think was called blockchain design principles or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> a while ago. Yeah, it was yeah. very helpful for me, actually. It was like right when I was sort of getting into all of this. Um, and I'm curious as to maybe how that has changed or specifically the question is, you know, how do we surface the core tenants of, of you know, the blockchain? Um, in a usable and understandable way. So, of course, decentralization. But what does that really mean? Privacy, uh, security, trustlessness. Um, these kind of core tenants. What have you maybe continued to learn about those? Or surfacing those in a, in a more accessible way? Yeah. Well, so I think I have a... I've been, like, disagreeing with myself um, over and over. Um, like I'll, and, and you have to feel safe to do that. You have to feel safe to like put your ideas out there and then know that, especially in this space, six months later, you're going to be like, nope, that was all entirely wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. I think things have changed a lot because when, when, when I wrote that first time, um, like I said, at IBM, it was mostly business outcomes. It was people building the networks. There was a lot of developer personas. Um, right. And and now in the Ethereum community, I mean, it's just, it's wild. It's everywhere, right? There's, I can't go, right. oh, you know, it's just this group of, you know, personas that I can easily speak to their unified needs in these areas. Um, right. I would say, I, one, I, I, I do want to say again, like, I have started walking back from unified principles because I don't think there have been enough live 
products out there for us to say, like, they're all assumptions at this point, like saying people don't want, you know, understand either people can't deal with these things or people want this or that. But I would need a larger data set um, to feel comfortable talking about those principles anymore. Um, and I think there are some groups that want to see certain things um, because they need to for their job, or there, there are some people that want to see them because they want to see them um, because it makes them feel secure. They, they know, you know, what's happening uh, and some people will not. And it really, it's case by case, the same as any, any product, like what are they trying to do? Um, and what do they need to do that job? And let's get rid of everything else. Um, and I would say that like today, and this might change tomorrow, I'm, I'm more in the, we have to focus on surfacing the why, like what is the value of these things rather than, you know, like in writing class when they're like, you've got to show, not tell. And right. I really mm -hmm. think that instead of going, this is, you can trust this thing and you can, you know, this is distributed and this is more private or secure. Like we really have to map those things to real problems and real things that people want. So an example um, of surfacing that value instead of just saying it um, is what I hope, I mean, we'll have to see, but the experiment um, is again, civil. The journalism platform one um, in their research, they found out that people really did have a problem with not being able to trust um, news sources, right, for many different reasons. Um, but also journalists have a lot of problems. And so the blockchain in that case was solving some of those problems, but they also address things that don't have to do with blockchain, right? And why people can't trust something. Um, they found that, uh, I've said this many times, but they found out that people didn't really know how to assess quality journalism, right? They didn't know um, that it, on the ground or firsthand reporting mattered to the trustworthiness of a piece of information. And so they kind of just tackled that without, you know, having anything to do with a blockchain. Um, so I think it's more about the outcomes and demonstrating the value without it's like, okay, with identity, I'm not getting hacked or I'm not, I'm in control of my data. Um, that's, that's the outcome. I, I don't know, that's complicated and very unsatisfying. And I haven't, I just don't think we're, we're there yet. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, if I look to other products, right? Things like, or I'll think about like organic food, right? Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that people choose to purchase organic food because they think it's good for them. Like, I think there's a percentage of them that do. But I think a lot of the popularity sometimes goes to deeper, more complicated things like somebody's sense of self and, and, what they feel that purchasing organic food, what does that say about them and reflect on their, you know, on their ego. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, doing these things that are more secure and more complicated and harder, um, we're going to have to find a get, find a way to get to people's real motivations for using these things. Um, I don't know that might be a marketing problem honestly like if if we're just building these products and you know we make them usable and they solve the problem and or you know speak to what somebody is trying to do but then you know it may be the marketing you know that really gets us over that hill 
Yeah, I mean, it makes me really think about, uh, perhaps because I'm biased, but it makes me go and think about like the design research, you know, again, uh-huh. because it's like, well, what are the, like really understanding the true um, motivations is largely from, in my opinion, observing and really listening to people, right? Um, such that you can sort of bridge the gap between the technical requirements and the and the uh, and the sort of the emotional progress that people are trying to make. Yeah. Um, but no, that's just my opinion. Um. So, hmm. Um. I'm also curious about like this. You made this very interesting uh, analogy between food and uh, uh, blockchain, right? <laughs> are there any other things that you that come to mind? Um when thinking about, I guess, major hurdles of adoption, mass adoption, and um, other, or other maybe products that you know, we can uh, look to, to say, oh, well, they did this well, and we need to maybe take a page out of their book, so to speak. Um, I think, uh, I said giving a talk recently and I had this slide that I was very proud of because um, I'd found this like animated gif of a Rube Goldberg machine and it was kind of enclosed in this shape and then I had all these little people just kind of milling around outside of it with no pathway in and that's kind of how I view the space at the moment. Um, we've got these not, you know, complicated Rube Goldberg machines with like things like prediction markets and token curated registries and, um, all these very interesting things. Um, but no pathways for your average human being, like no mapped out motivation for like, I want to do this. Like this system requires, like for example, this system requires me to vote every time there's a something happens. Like, um, and people aren't always motivated by money. Um, somebody was telling me the other day about it was like some kind of experiment where I want to say it was like Quora. I'm messing this up, but so if somebody knows what it is, please email me. Um, where they were like okay, we're going to pay you to answer people's questions and pay you to help them. And people were very uninterested in that um, because they were helping people so that, because that reflected on their sense of self, right? Like that made them feel good about themselves. They were, that's a behavior that they associate with their identity. It's like, I help people. And if you're going to pay me to do it, it doesn't count, right? And and so what I'd like to see is a lot more, you know, to get to the mass adoption. Um, I think we very clearly understand that people uh, like gambling, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would say most of the successful um, dApps involve, you know, that we've seen in the past like years, something to do with gambling or making more money or flipping something um, or getting in and buying a token and selling a token, right? Like that's where most of the people are very, you know, heavily participating in something that I can see um, exchanges and that kind of thing. And I think we have to identify these other very strong motivations and needs and, you know, map them to these systems. It's possible. Um, mm. Yeah. A, you know that's. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was done. Okay. Um. No. Yeah. So uh, I can't remember what I was listening to yesterday or watching, but uh, the person was talking about um, the fact that like governance is a big thing in uh, blockchain. A lot of these different mm-hmm. decentralized systems because you can copy features, right? Like such. So now. Everything is open source, so like governance becomes a big, big deal, right? Um, and 
the person who's saying that, you know, we're thinking about it a lot in the in the you know I guess context that everybody is a rational economic actor and we're building these systems with that assumption, that implicit assumption. Yeah. Um, which is maybe not necessarily true. And yeah. what you said about motivations and different motivations made me think exactly of that. So I'm kind of curious as to what other like what what things not just from blockchain specifically but maybe just in your life as a person going throughout the world what motivations or um yeah i guess motivations is the right word or sense of self i guess is how you put it or identity sense of identity um have you seen that you think everybody should really or people in blockchain should really start thinking about maybe it's reputation maybe it's um other ones along those lines, what what comes up in your mind? Hmm. Um, well, so I was gonna say also an, about things like governance and, you know, when you get also to something like not that related, but like wisdom of crowds, um, when it's a kind of a math game um, with a lot of people, I guess it doesn't actually matter if they have enough information um, or to, or are going to behave rationally or what have you. Um, and I would say actually to all of those kind of like abstract, like fun to think about rabbit holes that we fall down, um, there are ways to prototype and test and to get some information. Um, and, and I think that's what it would take. Like, you know, we, we talk a lot about this, these things, but, um, you know, I'm not a political science expert uh, and I'm not an expert in a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and that's how it feels like to be right. So as non-experts, um, all we can do is experiment in safe ways where we're not losing anybody's actual money or hurting anybody. Um, but to, to make, you know, low risk prototypes and just start getting information. Um, okay. So in my real life, what, uh, motivations that I think we're missing out on, um, well, I don't know. Like my first inclination is to turn to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know? And just be like, let's just outline all of these. Like, you know, we're already dealing with shelter, right? We got, uh, right. <laughs> and how can people um, deal with real estate or do those things? But um, what I think is very powerful is a sense of community um, and belonging, which mm. manifests very like in two different ways that I I've witnessed one is people that want to be part of a tribe and exclude other people right so every time I see the word no coiners right on Twitter I'm like what the hell are you doing like it's it's like I want to feel part of a group but I can only do that if I'm excluding other people I'm making fun of other people um, but mm -hmm. on the other side it's the joy of um, being part of something much larger than yourself. So something small, you know, that doesn't seem that big, like being able to buy a fraction of real estate, but it's like when we all feel ownership, um, or a part of all of these other things, will we behave differently? Um, when I, you know, when I own a part of my grocery store or, you know, like, we don't really have co-ops where I live, but, um, you know, when, when we're all invested in all these tiny parts, um, does that change our behavior? Do, you know, am I less likely to throw a piece of trash in my own yard than I am in somebody else's, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, what are the other needs? I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> um, there's obviously the sense of self thing um, and esteem. And then, yeah, belonging. So feeling like you're part of a group. Um, 
safety, I think, is a big one. People feel less mm. safe. They like they can't. I don't know if it's I sometimes I wonder if I'm in a bubble because I don't think I mistrusted our centralized institutions quite so much as I do now that I've been in this space for a little bit, right? Um, right. And I don't know if the rest of the population feels like that at, at, or what degree. Like, are they mad about Equifax being hacked or, you know, emission scandals and that kind of stuff? Um, but I would say the need for people to feel like they're controlling their own wealth um, and can spend or transfer value um, when they want to and people aren't going to stop them. I think that's a safety thing. Um, I don't know. I think, mm, man, I've fallen down a rabbit hole now. I've forgotten the question. No, this, is, this is excellent. No, this is absolutely excellent. I'm writing them down. This is great. Because <laughs> it sort of all fall over this uh, umbrella, I think, of like emotional intent. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and then you have this, like tribal, right? Okay, that's one facet. Ownership, the sense of ownership, safety, you know, they're facets. Do do projects or um, companies or even any like they don't necessarily have to be in blockchains, but that would be great, obviously. Um, that that stand out as championing 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 mm. uh, <laughs> these these emotional incentives, and then more granularly like tribal or ownership or safety. I, I guess you've mentioned the new coiner, but. Like, how do you see this manifesting? And like, where can we maybe look to and say, oh, wow, like, look at how it's manifesting over here. How can we sort of replicate this in a more um, uh, blockchain specific way in our you know, specific system or DAP or whatever it may be? Sure. Well, I do want to say additionally, like exploring these other like motivators for human beings, like, Nothing is going to trump, though, this is easier than what I'm doing now, right? This mm. gives me more time. And sometimes I feel like people have kind of given up on that um, in this space. Like, they're like, well, we've got to deal with all this gas and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you can still design an experience that is better than what people are using right now. Like, you can still do that independently of blockchain. Like, leverage. Leverage the popularity um, of blockchain, you know, to raise money or, or whatever you need to do. But like, you can still make something easier and better. Um, this is not going to stop you, right? Um, and what I so some experiences that I've seen recently um, that I think are good examples of championing and caring for their users. Now I'm not going to say like speaking to their like needs, um, but mm -hmm. uh, statuses onboarding and uports onboarding and mm -hmm. being hyper cognizant of consent and privacy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm always going to love that. Um, you know, one way you build expectations Right. So even if people don't care about that, some, you know, they use enough things that do it when somebody doesn't ask for the consent or doesn't do a thing that they should do, um, they'll notice, right? Um, and so treating somebody, uh, there was some article I was reading about uh, being considerate as a product. Like you don't, you ask for consent and you don't bother people when they don't want to be bothered. And, you know, all these kind of like thinking of your product as a person and what would a considerate person do? Um, what do we value behavior as a society? Um, so, yeah, I was like, I was going to say statuses. And they, somebody just wrote about it the other day, like um, all the thought that went into it. And I really liked that. Uh, and then let's see. 
who else? From a from a just core motivating. Um, I'm really interested. I know it's not out, um, but I'm really excited for Solarius. Um, because personally, okay, so I don't know if it, Solarius is like a science fiction universe. Um, okay. And uh, it allows people to like kind of collaborate and um, build things together. And um, it's partly like, I would say digital rights management in a way. Um, mm. But you can, you know, fork and I'm explaining this very poorly. Uh, but I think it's very heavily like, how can a group self manage and create amazing and beautiful things together, and not get ripped off? or not get credit for what they contribute. Um, and it speaks to me just because that's one of my favorite things in life is to build something um, with other people. Like to stand back and say like, this is something we all made together. And cause it's not as fun if it's just you by yourself and you, you can't enjoy it or be like, remember the time we, we made a song or we made a piece of art or we made a, mm app um because it fascinates me that we're just like these bags of meat that like how <laughs> can somehow communicate with each other well enough to like accomplish these things um hmm. and and so any product really that's like allowing people to do that more safely um I'm, i think is really fascinating um you know, because I don't fully understand because it's not something I part participated in, but I think there's a lot of issues with people like writing fan fiction and having the original author come after them and sue them and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's really like, I understand that people need to make money, right? Um, but I also think it's really sad that you can't like contribute to the things that you love, you know? So. Mm. Mm. That's very interesting. Yeah. Now, okay, so um, I, I, this is kind of the last like uh, regular question, and what I mean okay. by that is like, um, so usually I, I go into like the stream of consciousness sort of section where I just want to know the first thing that comes um, to your mind. But yeah. uh, I realized sort of in blockchains that um, or in this space that there's sort of more questions than answers at the moment. So, um. After this sort of normal question, uh, I'm going to um, just say a word or a phrase, and I, and I want to know like the first question or questions that, that come to your mind. Um, but before that is this uh, this normal question, which is an actually not a question from me, but a question from the last um, guest, who was uh, Alex um, Vandersand from the Ethereum Foundation. So, and he his question for you was. Um, what do you think or how do you think about getting more uh, designers in the space or how to do that um, as they're obviously necessary? Mm. Okay, I know the answer to this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a five point plan. No, I'm just kidding. There are any points, but I do have a plan or something that I've been working on because this is important. Um, okay. Because I'm not the best designer in the world. And I, I mean, I'm decent, but I'm also not the smartest and I prefer to be the dumbest person at an organization. Um, mm. And my whole thing has been one, bring in people that are smarter than me, better designers than me, right? So if all, my only job is just to like fool them into joining or getting in mm. here. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I don't want to fool them. It's interesting. It's a good place to be. But I think um, the first thing has been um, either at consensus or even outside uh, convincing people that or demonstrating the outcomes of if you do hire a designer, but you know, in whatever way I can, convincing teams to hire a designer, more than one designer. 
um, and involve them in everything. And, um, you know, here is the skill set that, and this is what you should expect. And so on that side, on the other, it's been, um, I think my early attempts was just like, okay, if I, if I was, I, well, and this actually happened when I first joined blockchain, blockchain team at IBM, I was Googling, like, how do you design for blockchain? And it was, I got a lot of network design hits, okay. um, but there wasn't really a discussion. So, and that's how I tell people, if you want to write something, that's the best thing you can do is to, what have you Googled for lately and couldn't find an answer, right? That's what you need to write about, investigate, experiment, and then write about that. Um, so it's been either trying to attempting to write it myself or uh, cheerleading for the, you know, those that are, are trying to explain things um, to other designers. And um, another is just showing, I need to start this up again, but trying to write these designer profiles and say, Hey, you know, mm. these people did not, you know, they weren't doing this back in 2009, right? Some of them have right. only started this year, right? They're fine. They're killing it. It is absolutely mm -hmm. doable. Um, and, you know, just showing other, like, you know, maybe somebody will see somebody like themselves, right? That has similar interests or I'm that kind of designer. I can do this. Um, and just making mm -hmm. it more accessible that way. Um mm -hmm. Also, like every time we're doing something fun, and I hope that it doesn't come across as bragging, um, it's just occurred to me that it might. What I've been trying to do is document like the cool stuff that happens when designers get together, like at consensus or outside, um, and try to represent the fun that it actually is. Like there is nothing like um, nerding out with a bunch of, of your newest friends. Um, it's, and there's something in here for everybody. So it's kind of trying to say, we're having a lot of fun. We're working really hard. Um, mm -hmm. probably too hard. Definitely mm -hmm. some people are, um, you know, if nothing else, you know, if that's what you like, if you like nerding out with your friends, then that this is the place for it. Um, I want it to look like a fun place and not like a hyper technical, um, there is, there's definitely room in here, like for non-technical people, obviously, um, yeah, you'll learn it over time. Um, I don't try to hide the fact that I'm a giant goofball, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, if yeah. I'm in here, then you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, I haven't gotten <laughs> fired yet. So. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's a very good strategy, but um, paying them that also helps. Like, mm. pay them. <laughs> um, get go after, and also for the people that have like ICO money, like you can, mm -hmm. you could pay and get uh, some pretty high caliber experienced people. Like you should. Right. Sink some money in that. Like you'll save so much on the like engineering side of all the stuff you don't have to throw away or build twice or you know just get a really good designer. Um what other stuff do we do? Uh we got a dribble account. <laughs> we didn't put anything <laughs> on it yet. But like <laughs> kind of amongst ourselves are like uh I'd like for, you know, there's a lot of people out there who just kind of casually drip, browse Dribble, but um, it seems to be like a lot of um, exchanges or like Bitcoin kind of things. And I, I would like for people to see that there's more use cases, there's more types of things that you can build than just that, which is cool. That part is cool too. But um, so like Dribble or maybe an Instagram or something, make that more visible. like the work in here is not any different than what you're doing now. You just need to learn about this new tool. It's just a tool. Excellent. 
Um, okay, so I'm just gonna say a word uh, or a phrase, and I want to know the questions that come come to your mind. Um, I think it's gonna be kind of interesting. So when I say uh, blockchain, the questions that you have are uh the things that i wonder about um i think when you say that like i start thinking about interoperability um and like is there going to be a way for us you know are people going to build ways that like things can go between them and does that even make sense and um yeah like private versus public and all that kind of stuff just blockchains plural makes me just immediately go well got a few out there and then there's a few new ones and who knows what's going on with that and um it's the pluralness of that word that's kind of i think they're cool <laughs> Okay, so DAP, when I say DAP users, the questions that you have are? Non-existent is the end of that phrase. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. What questions do I have? Uh, I, I don't know. I think a lot about like if what I'm concerned about is um, a lot of DAPs don't use like Google Analytics mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there's no, that you can do research obviously, um, but I, I'm, I'm just like, what do they actually do? You know, how do we actually know where they're going and what they're doing and um, without, you know, asking every single one of them, you know? Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. Blockchain design and usability. What questions come to mind? Uh, I guess my question is I, I can't decide if it's a good thing that that's a phrase. Because mm. on the one hand, that's mm. like in my head, it's like, that's the same thing as saying like JavaScript design, usability. It's like, this is a tool and kind of a, a way of thinking, but it doesn't really change. I just don't know if it should be elevated that much. I don't know if that's gonna keep people out or mm -hmm. if it's helping people find relevant content. Like if we keep labeling things like blockchain design principles or Ethereum yeah. principles or Web3 or designing for Web3 or is it a good thing or do people or does that make people think that there's some huge difference like in their process mm -hmm. like oh I'm gonna have to like I can't use sketch for this <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like no this is it's the same it's the exact same same process same tools you're fine um mm -hmm. so, few little tweaks like the same with the javascript thing it's like well you know you might want to prototype a little differently but mm. you know if you couldn't use a certain tool that would change how you approach the problem a little bit but it's still the same design process i don't know it's it's got a long way to go but there are a lot of really great people in this space so i'm happy to be here mm. So on that note, I guess the very last question is, um, what is a question that you have for the, the next guest, which, and who maybe would you want the next guest to be? As I'm not sure who the next guest is going to be yet, yeah. but for this, this series, uh, I'm curious as to what, who would you, who you would ask and what you would ask them. Oh, dang. Um, and this is like only designers, right? Or um, design people? Not Okay. Design, we're just product people, I would say, like, like people focused on, I guess, championing, championing the, the, uh, the user of, um, of these apps. Oh, man. I mean, I guess my real burning questions, and I don't, I don't know if it's a good question for the next person, but 
you know, like I was talking about prototyping out like systems and how can you do that? But I really, I'm constantly looking for that type of thing. Like what are the tools? Um, what are the, the methods and the processes for like maybe sociological modeling? Like how can we predict and like, yeah, like if somebody knows a way of prototyping these large game theory systems thinking kind of situations, like better than just acting it out. Like I'd want to know if somebody had suggestions for low stakes ways of, you know, seeing, I don't want to say network effects because I feel like that word's a little charged, but the emergence mm -hmm. maybe. Um, like, is the only answer like really the computer modeling? And surely there's some like psychologists or sociologists out there that knows. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, when people always talk about Airbnb and they're like, you know, this is a system and it's dependent on these different actors and right. you know but then people start doing things differently and then it turns into this other thing and i just i want to know if somebody else out there another designer has a way of like thinking through that excellent well sarah it's been a pleasure thank you so much for um for being on on the show and uh, is there anywhere where people could maybe um, reach out to you or um, find out about what you're doing or consensus? Uh, like, where can they find you? On the Twitters is usually the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's cool. uh, Star Soup 7, which I picked when I was 13. Um, yeah. Okay, not on Twitter, obviously. Like, it was like AOL. But <laughs> just, gotta, just stick with your usernames, man um thank you so much um it's really fun to meander <laughs> um and talk about this so thank you yeah absolutely absolutely it was a, it was a pleasure